0: Well, um, before we begin the sermon today, I want to remind you of a new sermon series that's starting next week. It's revolving around the questions that God and Jesus ask in Scripture. So we're going to start next week and we're going to alternate between questions that we find in the Old Testament, questions we find in the New Testament that God or Jesus ask people, and then consider how they respond to those questions and how you and I might respond to those questions as well. So that begins next week with questions that God asks. Um, Today we end and conclude our series from the Gospel of Mark. We've entitled this series Remarkable because uh, we think that the Gospel of Mark is remarkable. The word remarkable comes from two French words, uh, remarqué, which means to take note of, and habla, which means worthy. And and this gospel is worthy to take note of because we believe it's the oldest gospel uh, that we have. And we believe that both Matthew and Luke used this gospel when they were recording their own accounts of Jesus' life. And so we've spent the last ten weeks looking at this particular gospel. And today we are in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Now, when I was a child, there was a book series called uh, "Choose Your Adventure." Anybody remember the "Choose Your Adventure series? It's like uh, the, it was written in the second person, and, and you were uh, the reader, you were the protagonist in the story. So you were the main character in the story. Sometimes you were a race car driver, and sometimes you were a private investigator, sometimes you were a mountain climber, sometimes you were a spy. You get the idea. you were the star of the story, and every couple of pages, there would be these three options that you could choose how the story continues. You basically got to choose your adventure, so you would read a couple of pages, you would come up onto this ending, and it would say, if you want to do this next in the story, turn to page so-and-so. And if you want to do this in the story, turn to another page. And so you had an opportunity to uh, choose the ending of the story. And, and the cool thing about these books was that there were as many as 44 different adventures that you, the reader, could experience based on the endings of each section that you chose so you could read the book over and over and over again and come up with 44 different conclusions to the story of how it ended and and I don't know if you ever read those today but if you've been reading along in the gospel of Mark guess what you get your own choose your adventure story because we, didn't, we had to read a little bit more than two or three pages at a time before we got to it. But after 16 chapters, we get to the end of the Gospel of Mark and you've got three different endings to choose from. Actually, you've got four different endings to choose from. Uh, most scholars believe that the oldest manuscript that we've been able to find from Mark's Gospel uh, is the one that ends with verse 8. But the oldest manuscript actually ends in the middle of verse 8. Um, that It doesn't even finish the sentence in that oldest manuscript that we've been able to find. But the early church, probably because there were some English teachers in the house, knew that you can't end a sentence with a preposition, Right? I mean, that's just like a no-no. And so, uh, in the old, earliest manuscript that we have, it ends with the word for, F-O-R. The women left and for, and that's it. We're we're left. Well, somebody decided, no, 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 you can't end a sentence in a preposition. So, the first version says, we're going to complete that sentence for Mark. And so they said, for the women were afraid. But the early church wasn't um, happy with that ending. And so the early church added, in varying degrees, verses 9 through 20. And if you open your Bible to the Gospel of Mark and you look at the end of it, you will see all of those different possible endings that are available to you. It's almost like we get to choose our adventure. Which one do we want to go with? Well, today I've chosen to go with the one that the scholars believe is the oldest one with ending with verse 8. And just for the English professors in our midst, we'll do the one that doesn't end in a preposition. How about that? We'll do the one that goes all the way through uh, the end of the 8th verse. So we're going to jump in and see what this text might have to say for us today. We're told... Um, Oh, by the way, let me just suggest you probably never heard the Gospel of Mark's resurrection story preached because preachers don't like multiple endings. We we, we don't like to have to choose which ending we want. 22 years of ministry, this is the first time I've ever preached the resurrection story from Mark's gospel. Matthew and Luke and John, they add a lot more to it. It's a much better read and a much better story. And and so most of the time on Easter Sunday, that's what you hear. And the other thing I would point out is this is the first time I've ever preached a resurrection text not on Easter. So boy, you're in for a double treat today, right? So in our story, Mary Magdalene... And Mary, the mother of James, and uh, Salome are going to the tomb with spices. You may remember that those women were actually there the day that Christ was crucified. They witnessed His crucifixion from afar. They watched Jesus being taken down from the cross... Um, It was getting close to sunset and the Sabbath started on the sunset. And there are all sorts of rules and regulations around the Sabbath. And two of those rules and regulations were that you can't touch a body after the Sabbath that is dead and you can't prepare a body for burial after the Sabbath. And so the women were worried that because the time was of the essence that the body was not properly prepared ...for its burial in the tomb. All they had time to do was to wrap Jesus' body in a white linen cloth... ...put him in the tomb and roll the stone in front of him. And so now that the Sabbath is over... ...these women want to go back and make sure that Jesus has been given a proper burial. There is no hint at all that they expect to find the tomb empty... ...because Jesus has been raised from the dead... In fact, as they're walking to the tomb that day, they're questioning how in the world are we going to get that big, huge stone that we saw them roll in front of the entrance out of the way so that we can properly anoint Jesus for His burial. And when they get to the tomb, they see that the stone has already been rolled away. But again, we're given no evidence that they assumed that Jesus had been raised from the dead and that he was not there. Chances are these women just assumed that somebody had beaten them to the tomb on that Easter Sunday morning to do what they had come to do to properly anoint Jesus' body for its burial. But when they get to the tomb and they see that the stone is rolled away, They walk inside the tomb, and there they see a man. Now, we're not told a lot about this man. We're told that this man was dressed in white. And we're told that this man told them, do not fear. But based on what we know in other places throughout the Old and New Testaments, we can gather that this man in all likelihood was an angelic, figure, because angels are the ones most often that are quoted as saying in the Scripture, do not fear. And angels, whenever they appear, uh, or angelic figures, whenever they appear in Scripture are always dressed in white. And, and, and so when they walk in and they see this man laying, uh, sitting there, Uh, and he's dressed in white, and he tells them not to fear, there's a really good chance that they saw this person as an angel. The word angel literally means messenger from God. And this man certainly has a message from God for the women as they enter the tomb that day. He begins by telling them that this is the tomb of Jesus of Nazareth. This is the same guy that you saw being crucified on Friday. This is the same guy that you saw being taken down from the cross after he was dead. This is the same guy that you saw us place into the tomb this Jesus, not any Jesus. Jesus was a common name. I don't want you to get confused. This is not just a Jesus's body that is not here. This is the Jesus of Nazareth, and his body is not here. You are at the right tomb. You did not happen upon the wrong tomb, and this Jesus has been raised from the dead. It's as if The Gospel writer and the angel knew that people would question whether or not this Jesus really was the same Jesus that had just been crucified a couple of days before. That this was the same Jesus and the same tomb that they'd seen Him being placed into. Mark wants us to know that this is that same Jesus. You haven't shown up at the wrong tomb. And he says that this Jesus has gone ahead of you in the Galilee. And you need to go and tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus has gone before you and you are to meet Him there. And that's the first question that I had as I was reading the text. Why in the world did the Gospel writers single Peter out? Why did he say, women, go tell the disciples, and Peter. Peter was one of the disciples. Why would he single Peter out? Well, maybe he did it because of some literary device that he wanted to do. You know, the first disciple that Jesus calls, the first disciple that Peter mentions in Mark's gospel, that Mark mentions in the gospel, is Peter. And so maybe he wants us to get that literary device that the first disciple that you hear about in my gospel is Peter, and the last disciple that you hear about in my gospel is Peter. Maybe it was a literary device. Maybe it was because Mark wants us to know that Jesus didn't give up on Peter, even though Peter betrayed Jesus. Maybe, maybe Mark wants us to know that, that, that in what was the darkest moment of Peter's life, when Jesus said, you are going to deny me, and Peter says, I'll never deny you, and then Peter goes on to deny him, that, that, that Mark wants, us, wants Peter to know that you haven't been defined by that dark moment in your life that I called you to follow me and I am waiting on me you wherever you're going. Maybe that's why. Uh, he certainly didn't write it for Peter's benefit. By the time Mark records his gospel, uh, puts it down in writing, Peter has already been martyred for his faith. Why did he do it? Maybe he did it as much for you and me as he did it for Peter. Maybe he was saying to Peter, yeah, I'm not going to define you by your worst moment when you denied me. I called you, and I'm still waiting on you regardless of what you've done, and I still love you. But maybe he wants to communicate the same thing to me and you today. Because we're just as guilty sometimes of denying Jesus We're we're just as guilty of having those dark moments of, of life, whatever they may be. And maybe what Mark is trying to suggest here is that in the same way that Jesus didn't define Peter by the worst moment of his life, Jesus doesn't want to define you by the worst moment of your life either. I don't know about you, but... I'm I'm hoping that's it. I'm I'm praying that that's it. that, That whenever I mess up, Jesus is still waiting on me. Whenever I deny or betray Jesus, Jesus still hasn't given up on me. Jesus still goes before me. And Jesus still loves me. The most interesting thing about this text is that the, the women, when they're told that they need to go and tell the disciples and Peter that they're to go to Galilee where Jesus is waiting on them, is that they we're told that the women didn't go. We, we might expect that the women would go and obey the angels, but they didn't, at least not immediately maybe they had to go back home and and wrestle with this in their own mind and kind of think through what they just experienced uh, but but mark the earliest form of this gospel says that the women just left and they didn't tell anybody anything because they were afraid now why do you think mark ended the early the earliest gospel of mark ends that way, uh, do you think it's because uh, uh, maybe Mark died before he finished the gospel maybe maybe that was it. Maybe he was writing the gospel and he ended up being persecuted for his faith before he finished the end of it, and so it, it never he never got to add any more to it. Uh, maybe maybe the the original scrolls that, that that contained the manuscripts of this gospel got damaged or destroyed. You know, the, the first instance of the dog ate my homework. You know, maybe it was like uh, something happened to the manuscript and, and 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 we missed the last little part of the story. And 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 that's why that the early church went back later and sort of added to it, because the earliest manuscript that we have doesn't have that. But maybe Mark did it on purpose. Maybe Mark doesn't have the women go to share what they've been told to share. It's because Mark wants to see how we respond uh, how they respond and, and how we respond. Have you ever watched a show on Netflix or television and you watch the whole season and you get to the end and there's some kind of cliffhanger and you don't really know what happens and, and, and you have to wait for the next season for it to to, to to see what happened in the show? Maybe that's the device that Mark is using here now. Mark doesn't tell us that those women went on to tell others. We know they did because how else would the story have have turned out the way it did if those women hadn't done it. But, but maybe the reason why Mark didn't have that in there is because Mark wants to know, what will you do? What, how will you respond when you are invited to go and share what, what, you, what has been communicated to you about Jesus? Will you go respond? Or will you be afraid the way that the women were afraid It's almost as if we have our own choose your adventure today. Will we choose the option where we go and we talk to people about what Christ has done and is doing in our lives? Will we testify to the risen Christ to the new life that Christ offers us? We know the ending of the story, but will we go share it with others. As we close today in this season, in this series on Mark's gospel, I'd like for us just to briefly take a look back at what we've learned about Jesus and about ourselves as we've made this journey together. You remember at the very beginning when Jesus was baptized that the voice from heaven came and said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. You remember the story about the man who was brought by four friends and placed at the feet of Jesus and how Jesus said to those four men when he saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. And we talked about how that oftentimes Jesus wants that our faith plays a role in the salvation of other people and that that's important for us to know. Brother Jim taught us about uh, looking and determining where our power comes from. Our power doesn't come from some demonic force. Our power doesn't come from some other type of God. Our power comes from the one true God made known to us in Jesus Christ. We learn that even though you're a faithful follower of Jesus, there are times when you will find yourself in the midst of a storm That being in a relationship with Jesus doesn't mean that we won't experience difficult days in life and in faith. But we're reminded that Jesus is with us in the storms of life and will not abandon us. Do you remember how Jesus found some of the harshest critics of His ministry, members of His own family, and how we talked about that being faithful in our witness And and being able to share the good news of Jesus in a way that the closest people in our lives can understand can be really, really difficult for us to do as well. Remember how the story of the rich young ruler who's been told to sell everything that he had, that there are certain things for each of us, and they may all be different, but that can hinder our discipleship, hinder the relationship that God desires for us to have, And we need to spend some time thinking about what are those obstacles for us. Last week we looked at the Passover. And we talked about how that was a reminder not only of what God has done in the past. But it is also an opportunity for us to look with anticipation to what God is going to do in the future. When God brings about a new heaven and a new earth when Jesus returns. And today, to be reminded that no matter what you've done, whether you've betrayed Jesus or denied Jesus or or any number of other things, that Jesus does not define you by your worst moment. The same Jesus who is calling you has gone ahead of you and is waiting on you And loves you. And that my friends. Is the good news. Of the gospel.